Hello, I'm Mr. Brandon. And I'm Mr. Jeff. And this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? We started this podcast about 10 months ago, just as the pandemic started. And we've learned a lot of tips and tricks about how to make our podcast sound better. So <laughs> yeah. even though it sounds like this first episode was recorded in a potato, it gets better. <laughs> yeah, and one of the cool things about learning how to do a podcast is you actually get it to sound better. So <laughs> this is the very first episode from our long line we've done so far. So we're learning. We're baby podcasters in this episode. It does get to sound better. So be patient. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. Hi, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon. And this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? We're two Are You Being Served fans, and uh, we thought we'd get a podcast together and talk about it, and uh, we bet you like it too. So here you are. You've reached the right place if you're a fan of Are You Being Served? So, Brandon, why do you like the show? Why does the grass grow? Why is the sky blue? Um, God, when I was growing up as a young gay kid in Arkansas, um, there's this funny TV show that came on PBS every night at 10 o'clock, and it was so weird and unlike anything I've seen. And for me, as a little gay dude, like, uh, there's this gay character named Mr. Humphreys, and there's something about the show that it was so dated and so quaint and charming and different that it just really grabbed hold of me and all these years later um it's still a big part of my life so i don't know it's can you explain why you like ice cream you just do that's my answer <laughs> all right i mean i think you? that i think that i have something similar i remember flipping around as a kid on public t- television and seeing it and i'm sure that it was mrs slocum's hair that i first caught my eye and I remember watching it and I remember seeing this is this is really, really funny. And there are a lot of jokes that I don't get, but I want to get, you know, I want to understand them. And I think it was one of my first introductions into Anglophilia. Um, yes, there is an ointment for that. Mm. Um, but the um, right around that time, I also discovered another um, program. It was a, a mini series of a novel called The Secret Diary of Adrian Mole. And so that was a kind of, you know, uh, growing up. Uh, study into a, a character who was age 13 and three quarters. And so it was right around all of that time that I really started to develop uh, an interest in in British sitcoms. And this one has um, stuck through, uh, stuck with me for many, many years. And so I think that uh, talking to a lot of my friends who have uh, seen the show, they all have... Um, there's either people who really love it or people who kind of remember it, kind of remember Mrs. Slocum's hair or Mr. Humphrey's camp. And so 
I think we wanted to do this to kind of have this be our love letter to the show and reach out to other fans that may be interested. Because there isn't a lot of media about it. There's blogs from dozens of years ago, but let's do something modern about a show that's almost 50 years old. <laughs> yeah, um, the thing about our being served, <laughs> whenever you ask, hey, do you know the show? Are you being served? People's like, eh, I've never heard of it. But if you say something, hold on a minute. Remember when you were younger and you would watch PBS and there'd be like this crazy lady with like, chartreuse or like purple hair working in a shop and they say oh yeah yeah that's right that funny show um yeah so um in case this is a worldwide audience um we're both americans uh what is anglophilia is that a is that a condition you get in like a locker room what is that Uh, it is a admiration for things that are english or by extension british Okay. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think um, when I was a kid, I saw Irving Served, and there were, like, I think they must have had, like, ang- like British Film Hour or something on PBS back then. Probably because they were cheap, because they were maybe, like, 20 years old or older back then. But I don't know. There's something about Irving Served that just feels eternal. And um, I have several friends who I can talk in Are You Being Served lingo to, and they, Same. yeah, and they know exactly. Like I'll say, um, even the title of the show. Oh, that does suit, madam. Um, especially, it might be a gay camp thing, which is a whole other conversation about why we love the show because it's very campy. <laughs> but I think if like you, if you and I were hanging out somewhere and you put on a hat, <laughs> and it was not the nicest hat, and you say. <laughs> Is it me? And I would say, oh, that does suit Madam. We would know exactly what that means, and I bet you a lot of people listening too. So that's well, So what we'll do today is we'll talk about the first uh, episode. I'm getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but um, what the cool thing about our being served is you get to learn the um, – I'm laughing. You get to learn and be introduced to the catchphrases. Um, that's also – a big part of the show, why I like it. In fact, um, I am free, and what that is a direct link to is Mr. Humphreys. So, yeah, there's a, there's so much about the show, and the fact that it is so niche kind of connects you to with people who really do know it and kind of makes it our little in-group and everyone else is a loser because they're not fans. So <laughs> we're all not losers on this show. Hooray. So if you're in the in-group, uh, you probably know where to watch it. But if for some reason you haven't seen the show and you're interested in watching it, there are a couple of places where you can find it. Um, if you have a Brit bro- Brit Box subscription, uh, which costs about $7 a month, it's on there. Uh, if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, your local public television station has a sub-channel that's dedicated to British television on 26.2. And if you don't have either of those things, I'm sure that you can find a creative way to watch it elsewhere. But follow all applicable laws. And I will say, if you're a fan, just go buy the DVD set. It's like probably on eBay or Amazon for like, I don't know, 40, 50 bucks. It's worth it. It's already being served. It's, it should be the one thing you own. Come on, people. That's what I say to that. So, so we're going to talk about the first episode that aired as part of the first series, uh, and it's called Dear Sexy Knickers. Uh, and there actually was a pilot episode that had aired about six months prior to this, um, but um, that, that, that episode isn't really that fun. It does a lot of exposition about it really explaining and setting the scene for who the characters are and what the workplace is. 
we get enough of that in this episode. So we're going to skip right over that. And, you know, maybe someday we'll return to it as a lost episode of our podcast. Ooh, we already have a lost episode on our first episode. That's so cool. <laughs> All right. Um, so this episode first aired on Wednesday, the 21st of March, 1973. Um, and it was a really brave move to put this show up against Coronation Street which at that time ran every Monday and Wednesday. And that's a long time running soap opera that uh, is much loved in, in Britain. So having this go against it uh, was certainly a brave programming move by the BBC. Uh, it didn't actually do that well in his first season because it was up against Corey. Um, but it eventually found a home and found people that would love it and tune in. Yeah, you and, and I were, were talking about um, the, the – I can't remember if it was the pilot or the first episode. But it, you said something that was interesting about one of, one of the two, that the reason the BBC uh, put it on air, or anti-Beeb, as the Brits say, uh, the reason anti-Beeb put it up was because of some sort of like terrorist event and there's some news thing happening? What was that? Yeah, so, so the pilot aired in November 72 – and that was the time of the Munich Olympics. And um, uh, the, there was a, a terrorist attack during the games where uh, a Palestinian terrorist organization took some Israeli athletes hostage. And unfortunately, some people lost their lives in that. And so the BBC stopped broadcasting uh, the sports live and returned to um, other entertainment and news programming at that time. And so this was something that they had had um, taped and in the can ready to go, but they didn't intend it to air it in November 72 because that was when they were supposed to be um, airing the Olympics. So it, it aired as a one-off Damn. special on a show called Comedy Playhouse, and it got a decent reception. So that's when they ordered the full season. Um, they re-aired the pilot right before this episode. Uh, and then it took off. Uh, the first series started in March '73. Oh God! Well, um, you mentioned Coronation Street, and if you know, let's assume we have a large American um, a fan base here. It's. I think it, we should spend just a minute, just a quick minute, about Coronation Street and how important it is, and how crazy that they put Are You Being Served up against it. Um, you and I are both kind of like British TV fans, so. Um, gosh, how, how would you explain Coronation Street? I think I would call it the most British, um, single television show, um, that Britain has probably, and will ever probably produce. Um, if you could take, I'm trying to make an American equivalent. If you would take, um, Friends, um, all of the sitcoms from the 90s, all of the sitcoms from the 80s and 70s, combined them into one show, and yet made it a soap opera, yet was so popular that every, everyone knows the stories and the people are like, should be on the current Yeah, scene, I mean, it's in, term, in terms of popularity, yeah, if you take the popularity of shows like Friends and uh, Sex and the City and Seinfeld, Seinfeld right, and that's how popular yeah. it is. But the show itself, is it's a run-of-the-mill soap opera. It just focuses on... Um, uh, on this little um, little neighborhood that's supposed to be just outside Manchester, and they're you know very working class people, and it's just how their lives intertwine, and it is very over the top in terms of a lot of the tragedies that they face, and who gets into this accident, and who's marrying this long lost cousin, whatever. And exactly. Who sleeps with who, and all that kind of stuff. But which now that you say that, I hadn't put this together. It's sort of like are you being served a little bit 
you know, um, it's about working class. And I bet you back then in 1972, 73, there probably wasn't a lot of working class TV. I don't working know, class. But, um, yeah, I live in know, a semi-detached did, house. <laughs> that was uh, Miss Brahms. He was channeling there. Um, so. Exactly. Yeah, so it was it was cool that, you know, they put it up against it, and here we are. So it took off, and it was, what, nine or ten years running altogether. So Yeah, so well. what else was happening in March 1973 when... Um, oh, not much, really. <laughs> Just, you know, quiet. Uh, well, in the States, it was right in the middle of the Watergate scandal. And uh, this week in history, one of the burglars had just told the judge that he had been pressured by the attorney general... So that was the scandal of the day going on. Um, in other entertainment news, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon album was released. And the third London Bridge had just reopened. I didn't know that it had been reconstructed so many times in modern history. Well, it kept falling but down. But I'm bummed. That's a joke, people. Yeah, and um, John Lennon was releasing his Walls and Bridges album around this time, too. So... It was a it was a cool year, um, yeah. So it was a good year for our evening, sir. All right, so shall we get into it? So, all right. Let's do it. So, um, right away, the first image that we see on screen is a customer trying on a jacket in the middle of the department store, and he's smoking a cigarette. If this doesn't put you right back into the seventies to just show you how far things have come in the past fifty years. You know, that really just reminds you what time we're looking at. Yeah, it's it's like a James Bond movie when everyone's smoking and you're like, oh, right, right it was the 70s, it was the 60s, whatever. The people yeah. not only would do that indoors, but like in the middle of a department store while you're trying on garments. <laughs> I imagine everything smelled like cigarettes back then. Like there was no – maybe outdoors, but I mean – I don't know. It's just, yeah, that's what, that is one of the things that it's also, um, you never see, I'm thinking of the things you see nowadays on TV and movies that you'd never see in older movies. You can always date things by, like if I'm watching a TV show, like, um, oh, what was that the other day I was watching? Oh, Kobe Enthusiasm. And I noticed no one had oh, an yeah. iPhone and everyone had a flip phone and everyone was like on their phone instead of texting. I realized, oh, that's before 2008 because that's when the iPhone came out. So you can kind of yeah. do that with TV. So we meet, uh, we meet mm. Mr. Granger, who is the head of the gentleman's department, and Mr. Humphreys, who is the senior assistant uh, to the junior's apartment. And they – And the star of the yeah. show, if you ask uh, We also meet Captain mm. Peacock, who is the floor walker. And Mrs. Slocum, who is the head of the ladies' department. And um, we start off right away with an innuendo. Uh, Captain Peacock is asking uh, Mrs. Slocum how sales are doing. And she says, in lingerie, pants are up and bras are down. Uh, and so. And what's so great, ab- sorry, what's so great about it is when she says it, she says it with oh, such yeah. innocence because she's so detached from like how ridiculous she is which makes it even Yeah, more funny. I, mean, I think one yeah. of the things that we'll see over the course of uh, this podcast with these uh, characters with these actors is that they're really good about maintaining their composure. They hardly ever break. I think that Miss Brahms broke a couple of times throughout the um, throughout the series but th- <laughs> they can deliver yeah, these lines yeah. with such a straight face which I think is key to uh, British humor. Yeah, and I'll say a lot of these actors. Um, I have I have a funny joke that there's about like a dozen actors in Britain <laughs> total, um, <laughs> right? Because you keep seeing them. I mean, I guess compared to the states, you see 
you know, thousands of people and you see like the same people over and over again because it's a, you know, smaller group. But all of those actors were really, really, um, accl not acclaimed, very experienced. Um, and I know Molly Sudgeon who played um, uh, Ms. Ms. Slocum, Mrs. Slocum, she was um, in a lot of pantomime. I know Mr. Humphreys, John Emmett was in pantomime. So these are seasoned folks. I don't think a lot of these folks were like brand new. Not at all. The They're actors. all very seasoned but, actors. I mean, yeah. um, uh, the actor who played Captain Peacock, who was uh, was also on another show that the writers worked on called Dad's Army, um, which was also very popular at the time. But I think one of the things you know that also puts this in – in context, in addition to yeah. um, the the cigarette smoking and the light misogyny and the casual racism that we occasionally see in the show, is um, how old the actors are and how old their characters are supposed to be, and then comparing them to like people today, right? So Mrs. Slocum in in the first episode, Mrs. Slocum was supposed to be forty seven. Uh, we take a look at some mm -hmm. of the you know super fans who have done the sleuthing about. Uh, when certain ages were revealed and they figure this stuff out. So Mrs. Slocum was supposed to be 47 and Molly Sugden, the character, the actress who played her was right, 51, yeah. but she was made up to be way much older, right? I don't think that the Mrs. Slocum character, any 47 year old no, today right, yeah. looks it, it's one of like these things that, where, right? Um, she was definitely, I don't know. I, I think also if you think about like hair dye, like a lot of folks didn't dye your hair back then. Um, I'm a big fan of, um, um, oh gosh, what's it? Um, Mar Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and it's filmed in Queens, where I live. Uh, yep. A lot of the scenes, and they had an, a call for extras. And one of the things was, um, if you are a woman over thirty, you had to have gray hair, because back then people didn't dye their hair. Um, because nowadays, if you're you know, like I dye my hair a little right. bit here and there, so you know, I mean, whoops, I just told the world, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's something back then, like, people just looked older, because we, when you see gray, you think old, which is why we all dye our hair now, but back then they didn't, so they just look older. Yeah, you're right. Um, she wasn't very right. old. The Captain Peacock character was also supposed to be 47, uh, and the actor who played him was 52. Not that much older, but they look so old compared to today. You know, uh, if you want to have a little bit of a heart attack right now, the Mr. Humphreys character oh was God. supposed to be 33. And the actor who played him, John Inman, was 38 at the time. Hair. It was white. white. White, white, white hair. Not even plat. It wasn't platinum blonde. Oh, wow. He wasn't that kind of gay. They, those kind yeah, of gays yeah. didn't exist in the 70s. Um, but yeah, I mean, people look so much older. I mean, if we even look at other sitcoms of the era, um, Carol O'Connor in the first season of All in the Family was 47. And B. Arthur in the first season oh of Mod was 44. But I, I, even now, they just look so much older. They look like they're supposed to be in their 60s. Well, I wonder if they were made to look old. I don't know. That's an interesting question. But, you know, you think about, you know, and now it's a whole different world, the brave new world with filler and Botox and blah, blah, blah. You know, everything, no one looks their age. Um, right. I mean, and there were a lot of other factors that were really um, common back then that aren't anymore. Smoking, oh, yeah. we've already talked about. Going alcohol in the sun use, all the time. Um, nutrition was different. Yeah, they used to go. Exactly. Yeah, they used to not have sunscreen. So, they used to put baby oil on their face to burn. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, back to the episode. One of the other things that happened in the seventies that doesn't happen anymore is 
casual sexual harassment in the workplace. Uh, we see Mr. <laughs> Lucas, who is the... Oh, boy. Well, it does, but it, it was tolerated. Yeah, How about I that? I guess so. Me too. Um, you know, we yeah, see Mr. Lucas, who is the junior assistant, uh, go to Goose, uh, an unnamed assistant, who covers her rear with a manila folder to protect it. Do people do people know what goosing is? Do people I don't even know. know that term? To, to goose? He Young goes, people? He goes think? to like give a little playful squeeze on her behind. Uh, she can see him coming and without even turning her head, uh, puts a manila folder behind it to protect herself. And so uh, yeah. still wanting to you know, play a joke, you know, not that he's actually going to get any gratification from it. He gooses Mr. Humphreys instead. And it's accepted by the <laughs> audience. You know, it gives, they give a light chuckle. Nobody gasps and has gay panic. Uh, the Humphreys character isn't turned on by it. Um, but it's, you know, part of those things that um, just don't exist anymore. I think it was almost kind of teaching the audience like, okay, this is who these two guys are. One's gay, although classically and famously they never actually say that mr humphreys is gay in right. the entire series which was probably the only way the bbc would allow it you know but um yeah it's it's just a different world like the fact that i had to think like do we do people know right. what the word goosing means i mean it's probably a, a british thing as well the, the term but yeah i mean just imagine going up to someone like pinching their bottom they would be Unsummarily yeah. tossed out the door. Hopefully, you so, know? so so in the middle of this times. department sta- store workplace where we're seeing customers come and go and try on clothes, uh, Mister Lucas, the uh, on the gentleman's department, wants to ask Miss um, Brahms, the junior assistant in the ladies' department across the uh, the floor, on a date, and so he decides that the best way to get her attention is to write her a note. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. And so, do you want to read the note in your best Mr. Lucas impression? Oh, God. So, if I can remember it perfectly, I remember... We we watch these shows so many times, right? That I can probably get... (laughs) uh, This is my only marketable skill, people, uh, (laughs) if you're hiring. I can remember the cadence when he's writing... He's scrawling the letter down with his pencil... Um, and he's like trying to write, so he's speaking it as he writes it, so he doesn't speak it quickly. He says, Dear sexy knickers, I don't half fancy you. Meet me outside at 5.30 and we'll get it together. 
And as a kid, I'm like, what does that I mean? I still don't know, I know what, what it knickers means. I don't know what get it together means. <laughs> well, well yeah. I think we do. Uh, what's interesting, the, the term I don't half fancy you, that's a very British. And I, I lived in, the, in Britain for about six months a couple years ago. And even up to that point, I didn't understand the term half. I don't half something. So in case you don't know, if you really, really love this chocolate cake, you you fancy it, which means I like it in British, right? So if you half fancy it, that means you only like it 50%, right? Yeah. That makes sense. So if you don't half fancy something, <laughs> it's so convoluted. It means you like it the full 100%, 360 degrees <laughs> amount of it. So it's a, it's a term you hear a lot. I don't half fancy this it means you yeah. like it it sounds triple negative in my brain but anyway yeah. so that's what that means so he's trying to figure out how to get um the note over to her but in the meantime he's got work to do and um he's has a customer in the dressing room who's trying on a jacket it doesn't fit and so mr humphreys teaches him a trick of the trade where you pull the armhole of the jacket over your knee to break the stitches which loosens the jacket and um, <laughs> makes it more wearable. Just long enough for them to get right. out the door. And so, you know, this is one of the very first oh, yeah. things that we see in the uh, series of the show where these people will do anything for a sale, right? Um, one of the famous uh, catchphrases that we see throughout the show is, oh, don't worry about the sleeves. They'll ride up with wear. Uh, wear something, ding, ding. you know... Uh, I wish we had a bell that we could ring whenever, whenever we, we say do a catchphrase. catchphrase. Yeah. We should get a, just we'll get a, we'll get a bell. It should be an elevator. Edit ding. and post. <laughs> yes, we'll do that. Edit and post. There you go. Yeah. No, I love it. Um, I, I <laughs> what's also interesting about the show, I think we should mention is that now when you go to, I don't know, the gap, where do people shop? Do people even well, go the gap, shopping? The gap anymore? is on its way out. It's yeah. Oh, uh, uh Let's say Amer- I went to the mall the other. Let's say American Eagle, right? You go to American Eagle or whatever. Uh, H&M, there you go. You go that's, H&M. that's... Um, yeah. Well, people don't know what H and M outside of the East Coast, but let's say you go to what's I a think Nash- everyone knows what H and M is. Anyway, store. you go to a store. Oh yeah. Anyway, you go to a store. There's um, piles of clothes everywhere. You walk around. You you know what size you are. You find the size. You take it and stand in line for ages and ages. And then you go home and you put on your clothes, right? But back in the, God, Victorian era, if you've ever watched the show um, uh, Selfridges or if you've there's an episode on Downton Abbey where they go shopping or anything like way old school, like 100 years ago, it wasn't um, the type of store where you go and do it yourself. There would be someone behind a desk or a counter and you would say, hello, I need shaving cream or a brush for my shaving or socks or something and they would go and fetch it for you and bring it back to you and you would kind of look at it and they would answer questions so like full service very old-fashioned like wild west west western kind of movie stuff so what's weird about already being served is that in 1972 73 they're still doing that and i guess that was sort of like the old school shops back in london still did that and like the old stuffy old school types who don't want any change they love that but what's cool about the show is that it allows to kind of show like how stuffy a certain segment of the population is and yet these people who are 
you know, kind of dynamic and cool are kind of stuck in this time warp from like 50 years ago in the 70s. So like in the 1920s. Um, so anyway, so the reason why this joke where they have to put their knee into basically the the armpit of the jacket, why that's so funny is um, he the, the customer wouldn't know because they take it away from him and, oh, let me go see if we have another size. Right, the customer, the customer uh, isn't yeah. looking through, they're not browsing through a rail for their size. Right. They're telling someone their size or getting measured, which is another running gag about measuring someone's inside <laughs> yeah. leg and someone's just giving it to them and they have to trust that it's the same one that they tried on. Uh, but what you were... Right. So it, it's a long explanation for like a silly joke, but it, you kind of have to know these these background stories to kind of get yeah. why things are I think the other thing that you had mentioned, which so. is also a running theme, is the, the class, uh, the class system in Britain at the time. You know, all of these people are clearly middle class, uh, people, but they are not on first name terms, uh, only if they're socializing or in the rare case of Captain Peacock and Mr. Granger, who have worked together for dozens of years, yeah. um, they put, they have these very convoluted, strict rules that they have to follow uh, that we come several times about. You know, how many frills on a blouse a woman supervisor is allowed to have. Miss Brahms, how many how ma- frills is that? <laughs> I've never had any frills in my life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, we'll have this, we, I don't know if we want to, like, encourage each other to, like, quote or no quotes. I think quotes. I don't know. I say quote. Let's do quotes. We'll quote. quote. Okay, go on. So, anyway. <laughs> so, back to the story at hand. Mr. Lucas still wants to get the note over to Miss Brahms, and he waves her over. And she enthusiastically waves back, which is one of the few times that we see that she really does have a friendly or romantic interest in him mm-hmm. because later on they develop to be a little bit of antagonists, right? Yeah. Um, he waves her over, but Mrs. Slocum uh, thinks that he wants her attention instead. And so this is where the hilarity begins to ensue. Um, right before the act break, uh, Mr. Lucas makes the unfortunate decision to also uh, knee uh, trousers for his customer and ends up ripping them to the point where they're unwearable. Captain Peacock hears the rip and immediately goes to the big boss's office, Mr. Rumbold, uh, for a decision on how to punish Mr. Lucas and what to do with him. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's not a good place to go into Mr. Rumbold's office. Um, it's so cute, too, also, that he's just been taught. And he's also the junior, and he's kind of seen as kind of a near-do-well and, you know, not very smart, but he doesn't really care. He's just trying to go get a date all the time. But it's cute to think that he's been taught by Mr. Humphreys, the slightly older senior salesperson, that you can knee the shoulder of a jacket. So why would you not be able to knee the pair of pants, the pair of trousers, right? right? It's so funny. So after the act break, we're in Mr. Rumble's office and they're trying to explain to him what happened. And one of the other running themes, uh, again, we're setting this up. We're starting to explore uh, some common reoccurring things in the show is that um, Mr. Rumbold is prone to a malapropism or two, where he'll misuse a word or misunderstand it or um, misconstrue a situation to the infuriation of all the staff involved. So there's a whole conversation about kneeing the jacket with a K, kneading the jacket, (laughs) or kneading it like you're kneading dough. 
And so, you know, that, that uh, results in a slight chuckle. It's, this isn't one of the really more humorous uh, misunderstandings with Mr. Rumbold. Um, but one of the things that is remarkable is just thinking how much that this show spent on wardrobe and props. You know, they were a very, very prop-heavy show uh, to not only stock all of the clothes that are on sale, but you think of the mannequins, the display models. Um, yeah. You know, in, in the in the pilot, we saw the the Belle Beauty um, bust for the uh, bra that lights up and makes noises. Oh yeah, yeah. The point of you know? the point of sale displays. The point of the sale point displays. Of sale Thank displays. you. Um, later in, in episodes, and you know, in subsequent seasons, um, I think the stupidest jokes, which are the funniest to me, um, like. Like Puss in Boots, like uh, Puss in Boots, and I can't remember all the other different ones. We'll get to them, but I don't know. Like part of me thinks I, I, I will I will contradict you to say I don't think they spent a lot of money on props, but we, I think that's kind of the funny thing too because it was supposed to be a cheap store, and Mr. Grain, uh, Mr. Excuse me, Mr. Young Mr. Grace was so cheap because he was he was very he was cheap. spending all his money on his like secretary secretaries and his yachts. Um, right. He didn't want to spend money on the store. So, like, the fact that all of the props and the sight gags and, like, the horrible, like, mechanical display things were so bad is what makes them so funny, I think. But That's true. Yeah. I mean, if you do take a look at some of those props, they're clearly <laughs> homemade in, you know, the craft department of the BBC. Yeah. Um, but I think back then but... in the 70s, like, that's what you got. I don't think, like, it was, there was no special effects. Like, this was... What uh, even before like um, Star Wars and Lucas did all of those things, which he had to create from scratch, like that. I don't know. I just don't think that TV was that advanced back then. But yeah, yeah that's kind of what makes it quaint in a way. So most of the sh- most of the episodes for Are You Being Served were filmed within one day, edited the same day, and then broadcast the next day. Oh wow, I didn't know that. So that just goes to show, like you know. Um, You'll catch sometimes where I uh, one of the actors will be pu- will be frozen waiting for their cue, and if the camera cuts over too quickly, there's about a half a second or so where the actor's just waiting, and then jumps into the line. You, we see that a couple of times. So yeah, yeah you you're know. right. There's an episode where Mrs. Mrs. Slocum, I think, where she becomes a head of department for a day because Mr. Rumbold's sick or something and she's angry and they're in the canteen. And there's that very scene where she's stirring her coffee with a pencil that goes all fizzy. It's like a joke pencil. Yep. And then she's like spitting out her coffee and like, she's laughing. Molly Sugden is laughing and she's not supposed to laugh. And like, they didn't fade it off just quite quickly enough. Yeah. It's, it's, it feels very organic, which is cool. And we'll like, have to be on the lookout for that. Yeah, one. Then a little, uh, yeah. little preview there. So Mr. Lucas, um, they finish yelling at Mr. Lucas. He leaves the, uh, the um, Mr. Rumble's office, and he still wants this date with Miss Brahms. So he decides to uh, flick the note over uh, using a rubber band and his teeth somehow, uh, something that I never learned how to do in junior high (laughs) or whatever. Um, But he misses. It falls just short of falling on the counter. So he tries to go across to pick it up. Captain Peacock stops him. And then he, Captain Peacock goes to talk to Mrs. Slocum. And at the end, you know, says, Oh, get rid of this litter. And so uh, Mrs. Slocum reads the note and thinks it's for her. Thinks that Captain Peacock 
sent the oh, note to her. Oh, dear. And so this is where the hilarity ensues. Like, this is where the threes company style misunderstanding totally, totally starts. Totally, good point. Yeah. And so she's, she's trying to figure out what it means. And she reads the note in her received pronunciation, in her putting on airs high class. And so it just adds this air of mystery to it that she, you know, she doesn't understand what uh, it is. And her and Miss Brahms have a conversation about knickers and it turns out that mrs slocum wears directoire knickers which are bloomers from the 30s so if you think about the old-fashioned underwear that looks like board shorts that women used to wear that have like the frills around the knees those are directoire knickers i'm trying to think like what common person wears it i'm thinking like Minnie mouse didn't she have something like that like i can't even think of anyone that we would know commonly that would wear those. Minnie Mouse is not Minnie Mouse is not a person. I know, first but she, of all. I'm trying to think like um gosh. I mean I can think of like an old movie depicted in like the forties and like the grandma would be somehow shown. I don't know. Gosh, that's really I mean I think I think for some reason the image of like Shirley Temple is in my head. Okay. Where she had the really short baby doll dress and then underneath it you could see like the bloomers and the knee high tights. But that's probably a little bit different. I'm probably just thinking of already being served, honestly. Because we do get to see Mrs. Slocum's knickers a couple of times, don't we? Uh, we do. Oh, we do. God. So so she gets on the phone, asks Beryl the operator to connect her to the department across the floor, just you know, twenty feet away. <laughs> To speak to uh, Mr. to Captain Peacock, and she speaks to him in this really seductive voice. Now hold on a minute, saying, I'm getting confused. Does she think? Oh right, because she thinks Mrs. Slocum thinks the, mes- the the note is from Captain Peacock, not because from- he handed it to oh, her. I see. Yes, yes, yes. I can't he believe he picked I just it up off that. the floor okay. and handed it to her. And so she's saying, "Well, I'm not making any promises, but I'll meet you outside, and we'll see what happens." And, and she says he, it in he her has- most like sultry voice as as like very breathy like of of the right. times right right so he has no idea who she is cuz she's not speaking in her normal somewhat northern voice and she says well do you have no idea who this is he goes no and she says well thank heaven for that slams <laughs> down the phone Aww. so miss brobs then thinks that the note was for her and Mrs. P- Mrs. Slocum is offended that uh, Captain Peacock would choose a younger woman. Miss Brahms is offended because she doesn't want to go out with someone as ancient as Captain Peacock. And he's also had a little bit of a reputation for being too handsy at the office Christmas party. With that blow tickler. Uh, with this blow tickler. Mm-hmm. And so Miss Brahms picks up the phone, calls Beryl the operator, asks to be connected to Captain Peacock, and she gives him an earful. I wouldn't date you if you were the last man on earth kind of thing, blah, 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 blah. Uh, she doesn't disguise her voice at all. <laughs> and so uh, Captain Peacock can recognize her East London Cockney accent, at Docklands accent out of nowhere, comes over and uh, addresses her. Um, it's the simplest, so, like, it's the to- like you said, the most threes company, 70s cliche thing, but it's so cute and sweet. It's like... You know what's going to happen before it does. And the fact that, like, we get to see Mrs. Slocum, she takes off her clip-on earring because she's going to make a very important call as she calls Captain Peacock. And she does this thing where she's like, 
what's the actress that they're trying to imitate who who talked very Lauren Bacall I don't know like who would speak very low and very very breathy very breathy and any right. woman who especially in like James Bond like the the girls of James Bond whenever you think of a movie of the 60s and you hear someone like a Barbarella they always talked like this very long and slow which is supposed to be sexy to men <laughs> straight men I don't know or maybe lesbians back then but yeah and that's kind of what Mrs. Slocum does and um it's so cute to see her rich in the first part of the episode where she's like confused and like that's her true self but then she puts on this fabulous like sexy thing oh poor Mrs. Slocum always the last right. love right yeah. unlucky and love that yes, one indeed. um so um, so the ladies explain to Captain Peacock what happened. He brings the note over to Mr. Granger, who doesn't understand a single word. Mr. Granger, did you write this? I don't even understand it. <laughs> uh, and so he, he's just so old, and he just doesn't understand what's going on. Uh, Captain Peacock asks Mr. Humphreys, did you write the note? No, but thanks for the compliment, <laughs> uh, which is al- also a real fun, campy jab. And so they all come to the conclusion that Mr. Lucas was the one who had to write it. Typical. So Lucas goes over to the ladies' apartment to apologize to them. Uh, Mrs. Slocum, I've been a naughty boy, still trying to get the attention of uh, Miss Brahms. But she, again, following with the confusion, thinks that he wrote the note to her. And so it's 5.30, time for going out. I can't promise you anything, but let's go meet outside. And... Thus, Mr. Lucas is uh, tricked into going on a date with Mrs. Slocum. And thus ends our first episode. Oh, all good things must come to an end. What's interesting about the the fact that like he was sort of tricked to go on a date with Mrs. Slocum is as the episodes come and go, um, that becomes a bigger and bigger thing. Um, he will tease her as if, she has a big crush on Mr. Lucas, and of course she can't stand him because she will always make fun of her weight, her age, you know, how ugly she is, how much makeup she has yeah. to wear. Um, so it's cute in the first episode that they kind of like have to go on a date at the end of the episode. Right, that she's, she's, she finds him a little attractive, you know, and she's got a little bit of a thing for him. But um, yeah, very quickly they become adversaries. <laughs> but yeah, uh, what a people. good episode. Yeah, thus ends the first episode, and this is kind of what you're going to get from us, hopefully for the next 70 shows. That's a lot of podcasting, but we can do it. All right, so that was the first episode of Oh, That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? So uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we had fun recording it. Um, we uh, we think everyone should uh, be a fan of this great show. So uh, we do love to hear from folks. Uh, so, Mr. Jeff, how do people do that? You can write to us at Gmail at that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at does suit madam. Cool. All right. Well, um, what are the things that we love to hear um, from our fans and fans of uh, our being served? Um, what was your favorite part of this episode of Dear Sexy Knickers? Have you, have you uh, introduced your, um, your friends to someone and called them 
or you know, have you met a partner in life by calling them, "Hey, dear, sexy knickers"? Did you try to uh, get a message across the floor where you worked uh, with one of your colleagues? That's probably not very admissible today. If you've ever used "dear sexy yes. knickers" as a pickup line, we definitely want to hear from you. <laughs> Yes, and and if you've ever put something down like I don't have fancy you, so there you go. And British people uh, tell us Americans, um, how often do you all use that phrase? It's very confusing to me. And what did we get wrong? Yeah, what did we get wrong? <laughs> there we go. So anyway, thanks for listening and uh, tune in next week at the same time, same channel. But uh, check us out and uh, subscribe. Bye. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. If condition persists, consult your physician.